Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Hi everyone, it's uh, Roxanne Derhage. Thanks for tuning in again today. Uh, today I have a special colleague, Penny Tremblay, who is a expert in dealing with conflict. And what she's gonna do today is to talk about her concept called playing nice in the sandbox, where she basically uh, deals with leaders in their teams uh, across North America on how to deal with conflict. Hey, Penny, how are you? Hey, Roxanne, I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Don't you love going live with all the back and forth? Penny just got kicked off again. <laughs> um, so thanks so much, Penny, for being on today. So now Penny has had a, a, a quite an interesting path and, um, you know, her brand uh, is uh, playing nice in the sandbox. And, you know, it's, it's such a playful, um, way of thinking of conflict because you know quite literally a penny and I'd, I'd be interesting to hear about how you created the brand about all of us really i think could do with skills of getting better at how to relate with others when things aren't going so well for us but um you know just tell us kind of a bit about you and a bit about this path that you've been on um working with uh, uh conflict in the workplace Sure. Well, my brand came from an elevator pitch. So I was teaching uh, people how to do elevator pitches because sometimes people pull on my business expertise. And, um, and so I was trying out different ones. Um, so when I said, you know, I'm in the business of leadership training and conflict resolution, people would go like, yeah, boring. And then I, one day I came out with, uh, I, hey, I teach people how to play nice in the sandbox. And people would lean in and laugh and giggle. And so I got such great uh, feedback on that elevator pitch that it became the way that I introduced myself. And everybody got it immediately. And so I built a whole brand around it. Um, so, yeah, some people refer to me as the sandbox lady. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that you asked me to talk about was um, a conflict resolution. And um, I guess, you know, the playful approach to conflict resolution is really catchy for people because nobody ever wants to get invited to a conflict resolution meeting or a conflict resolution training. In fact, I even tried to have um, conferences with conflict resolution as the title and nobody wanted to come, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, the whole word itself sounds like combat, like, you know, it's a fight. And, but the reality is that conflict is inevitable. You know, there's con there's always going to be conflict that surfaces and most people aren't taught how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So we get entangled with conflict at work. We get entangled with conflict at home in our personal lives. And um, um, one thing that really resonated with me was watching an interview of a couple married 75 years. And they asked the woman, um, how did you 
like, what's your secret to be married for 75 years? And she said, you know, back in our time when something was broken, you didn't throw it in the garbage, you fixed it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that has never left me. We live in such disposable society today. You know, if, if, if we pull some nails out of boards, we throw them in the garbage. Back in the in the old days, they used to straighten those nails out because you might need them one day. And you know, it's the same thing with um, thorns in our side when it comes to people. We so easily can just like hit delete, block, you know, break up with somebody by, by text message, hide behind our email and be firing insults off to some of our colleagues at work and, and the more technologically um or the, you know the more technologically connected we are we are with our technology the more disconnected we're becoming mm -hmm. as a human so those are some of the um those are some those of the things that come to mind you know when i think about uh helping people understand the value of talking about things face to face or Zoom to Zoom, or at least phone calls, you know, just get conversation going um, when there's conflict. So you said something quite interesting. I'm gonna talk about, you know, when we have differences with someone and we haven't resolved it, we kind of have this thing in our head, right? Oh, Penny doesn't, Penny, you know, speaks too loud or Penny does, Penny cuts me off or, you know, um, oh yeah, well, Penny always has to have the last say. So we have these, messages that we give ourselves right we call those like you know labeling um distortions whatever when you let's talk a little bit about um when you go in to work with say a team because i know penny was just with me not too long ago and she was working uh with a team um how do you start like where do you start with it what's your process because i i know you have a process and i can show you i actually have this i thought penny would find that very interesting this is penny's lovely brochure that talks about her process and you can see it's quite playful i love the you know the you know sandbox with the um, scoop in it um i'm just curious how you kind of approach a concept because i'm thinking if i have my thing in my head around someone <laughs> I'm going to have a preconceived notion about how Penny's going to be or how Jim's going to be or whatever. What's your process when you're kind of called in to work with um, a company or a team that's not getting along? Well, I would, I would start with step one of my sandbox system, which is conflict resolution. And, you know, that just makes common sense when you're saying, what do you do when a company calls you for conflict? But a company doesn't always call me for conflict. Sometimes a company will call me for, um, for team building or leadership training, which is great. That's step two for me. Um, but if there's conflict, we need to resolve that first mm -hmm. because you can't build a castle on quicksand. And <clears throat> where there is resentment, there can be no relationship. So what I do when somebody calls me in to work with a team on conflict is I meet everybody involved one-on-one -on -one first. Okay. So let's say the team is um, eight people uh, or, you know, 48 people, whatever. Uh, maybe it's only two people they want me to work with. I meet them one on one first and I have a confidential conversation with them because I want to understand the problem from their perspective. It also helps me gather themes. But what I encourage people to do in that one on one conversation after I think I understand the situation 
is I always encourage conflict resolution from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that um, <clears throat> we're all responsible to create the life that we want to live and to create the relationships that we want, you know, the quality of relationships that we want to have. <clears throat> Most people, when they're in conflict, they're blaming someone else. They're blaming circumstances on their boss, their colleague, the system, they're underpaid, whatever. Um, and so what I think is the most important step, because I learned it from Stephen Covey, you know, habit number one in seven habits of highly effective people is be proactive, you know, take responsibility to create the life that you want to create and stop blaming people because when you blame, you're giving your power away. So when you become powerless, less yeah. power. When you take responsibility, you recognize um, what's yours in the conflict. And that's really the only thing you can fix. You, you and I, we can't fix somebody else, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You and I can fix you, um, but you and I, we can't fix him and him and him and her. So that is, I think, the biggest shift that people have to make is if they want to be better, if they want to, if they want to have more peaceful relationships, they need to go inside first and find out what what about the relationship isn't peaceful and why not mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and that why not has to be from an i perspective um when when he says that i get triggered rather than he makes me feel stupid right or you know he uh, she is condescending when she talks to me rather than that it's like i feel belittled when she speaks to me it's taking responsibility. And then, you know, if people really want to get into the work, they uh, can work more in more depth with me and start digging. And, you know, as a therapist, you know, once people start digging, they find those past experiences that have created those stories in their mind, which mm -hmm. create those labels that you were speaking of earlier. And that's really where the entanglements started. Mm -hmm. so it's like reprogramming, rewiring, changing your changing your story about things. Right, because as soon as you go to you know, if Penny, if only you would, then you get the uh, okay. I kind of stop now. But if mm -hmm. if it's Penny, when when you are um, abrupt when you enter the office, you know, it, it puts me off, and I'm I'm kind of, I you know I can't think clearly. Mm -hmm. You enter the office a little bit, you know, slower or quieter. And then you probably go, oh, my God, I didn't even realize I did that. And then you go, oh, oh OK. And then then you're using the responsibility on you to, to to your point. Right. Because I think we hear the word triggers being thrown around a lot, but a lot of people really don't know what it is. Right. right. Something happens. You tell yourself a story about the events. You make meaning and purpose to the what is happening. And then there's a behavior. Right. But if we don't have anybody to really talk it through to your point, like to go to, well, how is it affecting me? It's my internal world. It may be right or wrong, but it's my internal world about how I interpret things. And then, you know, then I respond to the person that's pissing me off in some way kind of thing. Right. And it yeah. becomes a vicious, a vicious kind of snowball. Right. That's right. That's exactly right. And you know, one of the really common um, problems that people have in the workplace with each other is that they said good morning to somebody and that person doesn't respond. 
That is so common. And I think to myself, okay, well, that's, you know, you, you've said good morning to somebody. Um, why do you need that response? You know, often, I mean, it would be nice, but if you don't get it, does that make the person wrong? But we make up stories about it. Like, oh, they don't like me or, oh, they're rude or, oh, it's because of something that I, you know, did two years ago or they're just unfriendly or they're, you know, snotty or whatever. We make up, we make up assumptions that potentially aren't even true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The deeper question I would have for somebody is why do you need it? Why do you need someone to respond? You know, sometimes I'll ask people who are so frustrated with a colleague at work, I'll say, um, you know, how do you behave? You know, how, how, how do you get, well, you said triggered, but you know, how, how does this person's behavior affect you? Well, you know, I don't want to be in the same room as them. I, you know, I feel, you know, I want to quit, whatever. Um, I often say, what's your favorite flower? Hmm. Okay. So what's your favorite flower? Um, I think a hibiscus. Okay. So let's imagine that there was a vase of hibiscus on the boardroom table. Mm -hmm. Those flowers are going to be their beautiful selves, their color, their smell, their radiance, no matter who sits at the table. Mm -hmm. So if we could just try to be more like our authentic selves, mm -hmm. what other people are doing and saying, we would be able to let a lot of minor things roll off our back. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Just to look at it for what it is. And all of us are so unique and, you know, with conflict, it's, it's, you're right. It's, it, you know, and we get more stronger in our position because we think we're right. And, you know, it's kind of that tug of war, right? Everybody's kind of pulling at each other and nobody kind of steps into it. Most people go against it. And, it, and then that, that uh, rope gets tighter and tighter. Right. So let's, I want to talk a lot, you know, um, about differences and diversity because I, you know what, Penny, I know, you know, be, being out there um, in the kind of work that you do, differences is one thing, mm -hmm. but diversity is a whole other, I would say kettle of fish, probably a bigger kettle of fish that are based on what we're already dealing with with differences. Yes. So with, um, tell me kind of how do you find that uh, when you, when you're working with people, is it around diversity? that's the issue or different ways of thinking or culture or what, how do you kind of, well, how do you deal with diversity if there's conflicts on teams? In the workplace, there's a tremendous amount of diversity because we have uh, different cultures. We have different um, uh, gender, uh, gen well, we have different genders, of course, but we have gender fluidity. So, you know, somebody that used to be one gender could be transitioned into another. Um, we have uh, diversity in people's values. We have diversity in um, generations. You know, we've got the baby boomers and the millennials. And, and so there's diversity in, in, um, in spiritual, you know, values. There's all kinds of diversity. And I, I know one thing for sure is that no matter what, where you fall into any of those spaces, we all want the same thing. Mm -hmm. We all want to have a peaceful, 
uh, and, and content life. We all want to make the most amount of money in the least amount of time. And we, you know, we want to be feeling like we're included and in on things. So I don't, I think it's wonderful that there's so much diversity in the world, mm -hmm. uh, in the workplace, because we get to learn from each other. But I think the problem that, that we have is that we don't accept other people's differences. Mm -hmm. So even like, well, one of the diversities I didn't mention is personality styles, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, often causes conflict because somebody is like very direct, short to the point, and somebody else is like the touchy feely, likes to have oh the compliments before and after and all. and you know either one isn't right or wrong, and this is one of my own personal uh, conflict resolution. Uh, tips and strategies that I've almost mastered is lack of, losing judgment. Like it, I've stopped judging things as right or wrong, mm -hmm. black or white. Um, and of course, that's very easy to do in conflict resolution work because I don't have any emotional investment in it. When I'm emotionally invested in something, I'm not as good as I am when I'm when I'm um, a mediator. But yeah, it's it's about not expecting people to be just like us. It's mm -hmm. allowing people to be who they are, allowing them to be human and allowing them to be different and not expecting that we have to be the same because if we were all the same, the world would be a much uh, less exciting place. Mm -hmm. It causes a lot of conflict. We think, well, you know, why are they doing that like that? We wouldn't do it like that. Mm -hmm. Does that make them wrong? Does that make us wrong? No, it's just different, right? So what I hear then is really, I mean, to put it bluntly, we all have different perspectives. Your reality to my reality. Yes, we're female. Yes, we do the you know similar kind of work. But your your background, um, you know, growing up in Canada and, and I think rural, me and Trinidad kind of extended family, you know, different culture, um, all those different things. There's going to be lots of different things, right? But again, it's about commonality, right? It's about what what is the common goal. And oftentimes when um, teams get together, they have a common, potentially a common outcome, but the way to get to it is often where the conflict might develop or maybe different personalities like the introvert versus the extrovert or the microscopic person versus the big picture person or um you know those maybe one cultural person doesn't speak as much the other person you can't you know keep quiet so there's lots of moving parts in the team and i'll say it's like a um a family in a way because it's a system and a family is a system like a company is a system like a team is a system and we have to figure out you know kind of you know, what are the rules? What are the roles? You know, who, 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 you know, negates who, who helps out, you know, you know, how we're going to clean up, like you quite literally, how we're going to clean up the sandbox before yeah. we get playing in it. Right. And I think you're right when you say you can't build, you know, a new foundation, um, right. you know, on, on, um, moving sand. You have, to create, on quick yeah. sand. you have to build a castle in quicksand. You have to get firm, firm ground, but that means that you have to level off that playing field in order to, to start building again. And I oftentimes, I don't know, you tell me, sometimes teams have never spoken at this level. 
right? Where they had to look at things at a deeper level to say, well, why is it that, you know, um, you know, when so-and-so takes the lead because nobody else takes the lead, it's good sometimes, but sometimes I don't want them to take the lead. Um, so it's to really kind of hash that out and talk about the intention behind behavior, which most people oftentimes don't sit down and talk about. But when there's when there's conflict, <laughs> then everybody had kind of you know goes in their corner and their camps, and you know yeah. there's alignments with one person. Not and Penny and I are a lot alike, so maybe we might talk about things a little bit more. And it's a, I often say it's about leveling it off so that everybody can start um, having the same conversation at the same time. Now with leaders right if it's a leader that people are having issues with how do you approach that um with the work that you do that's such a great question i include the entire team and but it's a common question when a leader will say should i be there well yeah do you do you want us, you know, do you want us sorting things out without you? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> We're teach your team some things, but you won't know what we taught them. And yeah, then you exactly. have to go back and leave them. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's the power of the, um, the group conversation is that mm -hmm. um, when I facilitate that, everybody has equal opportunity to speak and listen to each other. And um, I actually learned the circle approach from Indigenous um, people. And uh, in fact, mediation actually comes from indigenous tribal leaders bringing their people together to sit in circle to resolve social conflict. So thousands of years ago, this was already happening um, in my mediation work um, over the decades, I was privileged to be working with many indigenous communities and um, the circle is you know, it's, it's no stranger to indigenous people. It's very equal. There's no beginning and there's no end and there's no hierarchy and everybody has an equal um, say, but mm -hmm. also oftentimes um, an object would get passed around so that people know whose turn it is. I personally don't do that. I put a spiritual object in the center of the circle just uh, sometimes for something to look at more so, but, you know, depending on the group, depending on, on the area, um, you know, sometimes it's um, some um, cultural, some cultural symbol or some medicines like um, sage or cedar or something. And, and so the purpose of the circle is really to give everybody an equal opportunity to share. And yeah. the leader, I, I often ask to lead us off because um, from there we can move from person to person. But um, it's interesting what happens when you create that even playing field for people to dig. And I often ask the leader beforehand to, you know, I say, I'm, I'm going to ask you to lead us off. But also I want to ask you what you've contributed to the team conflict. And the leader will go like, uh, me? Uh, and you want me to go first too, right? And you want me to go first? And um, the value in that is, um, well, I, I have a, a prop right here because I was actually doing the mediation all morning, which is why I had to ask you to change the time. Um, but anyways, this is a prop that was made for me by... Um, a former boyfriend, and it's the best thing that came out of our relationship. I'm very honored to have this very custom-made uh, 
ball of knotted rope. I told him I need to prop a bunch of knotted rope. So he made this for me. Anyway, um, very unique, one of a kind. People are always very intrigued by it. But what this symbolizes is, um, you know, entanglement of everybody's stuff. So if everybody in the workplace or in the department, you know, has all this stuff entangled, this symbolizes it. And I say to people, if, if, if everybody could just reach in and take their piece and say, you know what, this is mine and I own it and I'm, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to do better. If everybody could do that, there'd be nothing left. Right. And so when I ask the leader to, you know, own their pieces, um, it's interesting. They don't always, uh, they're not always shocked, but in this recent one that I'm thinking about the, um, the, uh, you know, upper, upper managers, like, uh, I was really shocked when she asked me that question, but that's why I meet with everybody one-on-one -on -one first, because I want to, um, I want to coach them along a little bit with conflict resolution, because the reality is, uh, like you said, people aren't trained for this. They go through their technical training. They come out a, you know, whatever doctor, lawyer, technician of some type, uh, um, you know, healthcare worker, teacher, anything. I mean, conflict is not, um, it's in all sectors. It is not prejudiced. It mm -hmm. will affect any team anywhere. And so the reality is that we're not taught how to deal with it. Um, years ago, people used to get a lot of social and value-based um, education from church and from strong family units. And those aren't as strong as they used to be. Mm -hmm. So where are people learning how to resolve conflict? Well, I'm not, I'm not really sure because like, From, I mean, if, yeah, Instagram memes, like, no, they're, you, you learn how to work through things by going through the discomfort of working through things. I always say there's only one way through conflict and that's through it. You can't go over it or around it or under it. You have to go through it and it's uncomfortable, but you come out the other side of that and you're feeling a great amount of peace and um you're feeling more expanded you know you're feeling like you understand yourself and the other person or people or or corporate objectives or something better and so i often say there's no such thing as a failed relationship as long as you're learning the lessons absolutely maybe uncomfortable but you're you're always progressing along and i mean any right. relationship that's healthy has conflict you know because when i would coach people and they would say we don't have any conflict. And I say, okay, well, I'm going to give you the first hour on me because I want <laughs> you to get it all out. Because if you don't consistently talk about differences, and I think a lot of times people think they equate conflict with um, something extreme. They don't recognize that every time if you discuss little things, it doesn't have to become a cumulative, you know, big right. cloud. Right. Because right. now you've realized, hey, you know, this is bothering me. Um, can we, next time we have our little chit chats that can we chat about this, then it doesn't create that big snowball. But like you said, where would people, they would have either learned it potentially, you know, growing up or in relationships, we learn how to be in relationships and to deal with differences, but where else, you know, do people go up and buy books? 
Do they, you know, maybe they listen to podcasts like these now, they, you know, but again, until it, it shows up somewhere and there's obviously it's adverse, then you call in somebody like yourself, that's the expert to really help them through. So yeah. you, you kind of interview, like you said, you interview everybody, you have a sense, you coach them, then you do the circle. And then what's, what's the next process after that? Uh, well, in, you know, in the circle, that's basically the facilitated group discussion, whether it's two or, you know, 50 people. Um, and then we make commitments um, and they make commitments. Uh, I write them up and then I meet them for a follow up session. So the commitments is based on the overall goal of what the group. So I'm going to assume, is there a collective goal of the entire group? And then individually, everybody talks about how they contribute to the problem and then you talk about the commitment about how they might alter you know their behavior to to enhance getting along then and then yeah. you write it up and then you meet individually with each person after or you meet with the no, team meet after meet as a group, group. Oh, yeah. okay okay what so if there's somebody that's kind of saying they're gonna go along you maybe get what one or two of those maybe periodically and they say all the right things and they give you the commitments yeah, 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 Penny, but they don't go along. How do you deal with those people? Well, that comes up in the follow-up session, right? Okay. How's it going? Mm. Um, everybody's responsible. Everybody is um, um, accountable. And, you know, as a mediator, um, the, first, the first thing that I need to ensure as a mediator is that everybody involved is committed to something new. If two people aren't committed to change, then I can't help them. Hmm. So I will stop the process and, you know, gladly hand them their money back and say, oh, okay, then keep your problem and good luck with that. I mean, that's never happened, but it has happened that I've had to put that on the table. Like if people mm -hmm. aren't really committed or working towards something, I say like, you know what? if you guys just want to call this process off right now, I'll cut you a check for your money back and we can all just mm. keep on keeping on because where there's no change, there's no change. Mm -hmm. I can't do your push-ups for you, but I'm, I'm really in the mediation process, the actual facilitated conversation. I'm just a facilitator of the conversation. Um, I'm gifted enough to know, uh, what to say and skillful enough to know how to say it so that people feel engaged and open and safe. Um, and I can't say that I've never made any mistakes. Um, but, you know, what I would recommend to the average viewer who's watching this is that in workplace conflict, the onus is on the employees to get along. So mm -hmm. Penny and Roxanne have a problem with each other. It's up to Penny and Roxanne to work it out. If Penny and Roxanne attempt and can't, then they can go to their supervisor. Mm -hmm. Problem is a lot of managers and supervisors don't know how to manage conflict. Right. So, you know, all the way up the line, you know, the problem is that people are, they are afraid of it. They don't know how to manage it and they don't know how to reach out for help and who to reach out for help to. Um, you know, workplace investigations are legislated if there's a formal complaint mm -hmm. filed in a workplace. And 
Workplace investigations are very expensive. Uh, some companies have the opportunity to do them internally and others need to hire investigation companies, which are very costly. And I don't do investigations. Um, I think that if people would contact me first, there might not need to be an investigation. If people have had an investigation, they really should contact somebody like me after to put the relationships back together again, because it's like after an investigation, it's such an intrusive process, but it's shh, 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 shh. <laughs> yeah. Hush, can't, don't talk about it. And so people are like, well, you know, walking on eggshells, it's like Humpty Dumpty's fallen off the wall and nobody's bothered to put them back together again. And then, the rest of the you know the rest of the days are spent walking on eggshells yeah for sure and uh it's so important right like you're right it's kind of like now you've had this issue and who said what to who and who was you know all that stuff and then you have all these fragmented people now walking around with their version of the story and who, right. you know how it got resolved so so right. very very important that people really realize they need um regardless of the stage of the process they need to whether the team stays after the fact or some people leave or what, even if people leave, you still have to reintegrate everybody and, and get back to a functional team again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Even when the investigation is finished, it's extremely confidential. So mm -hmm. people, people think that HR should like hold up, you know, town hall and say, Hey, everybody, this is what happened. But no, nobody's going to find out what happened, except mm -hmm. if there are disciplinary actions or recommendations, the appropriate people will be notified, period, end of story. So um, it, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I don't think I know enough about the process to be criticizing it, except from my perspective that they are extremely expensive. They can stall a, an organization for six months and still not get the results that that this process can get. Mm -hmm. um, I worked on a, a case today and um, I was just uh, scarfing down some food and, and reading some email before I got on with you. And somebody from that emailed me and said, thank you so much. We made more movement in two days than we have in 10 years. Amazing. Amazing. And so there's only one ahead, Penny, sorry. conflict for 10 years and mm -hmm. that's one more day. Yeah. Two days of really focusing on it. So I know we talked a little bit about superpower. So let's talk a little bit about if, if I decide that I want to get better at conflict, Penny, what would you say would be one, uh, one or two maybe superpowers that I should be focusing on? So I can take those skills with me wherever I go to help you with conflict. Okay. So I think that, you know, one of, one of the most important things to know is in my definition of conflict is that conflict is the absence of peace. So you mentioned it earlier when you said some couples don't think that they have conflict, but they do, they just work through it regularly. So nothing ever mounts up to being something significant. Um, I think that when we talk about conflict in general, there's many types, like there's inner conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's external conflict. So um, the more that we can 
work on ourselves, the less we have to get entangled with other people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's say we're talking about we're in conflict at work with somebody else. What's the superpower is, in my opinion, is con confrontation. Have, have, and the word sounds intimidating. Have a conversation, confront it, challenge it. Don't sweep it under the carpet. It's only going to fester there. So mm -hmm. the most important thing, in my opinion, is that you are, you are moving through it. You know mm -hmm. it's there. It's a knot in your gut. Or, you know, some people feel it as like they want to throw up or it's a weight on their shoulders or, you know, it's pain in their chest or whatever. Know your, know your feedback from when you are in conflict and, and commit to doing something about it quickly. So um, there's that 24 hour rule that a lot of hockey parents are learning about, uh, you know, when you're, when you're all fired up, you've got to wait 24 hours. And, and I really agree with, um, with the idea that if we're, if our emotions are flared up, we're not going to be peaceful. And we want to, we want to try and have a productive conversation. So, mm -hmm. so give yourself time, give yourself a timeout. Even if somebody says, I want to talk to you right now, and you're you could say, I need some time. And whatever you're going to commit to, make sure you stay committed. So if you're going to say, I'll meet you tomorrow morning, or I'll meet you at the end of the day, stay committed to that. Mm -hmm. um, I would highly recommend, if possible, if your emotions will allow you to uh, deal with it before the end of the day, because mm -hmm. then you can have a peaceful night's sleep. And we know how valuable that is. Um, so confront it, you know, ways that you can confront it is um, you can, you can be aware of what in your perspective has happened or is happening mm -hmm. and how it's affecting you and take personal responsibility for it. So when you're talking about it, you're not like you this and you that it's more like, I feel sad when or you know it hurts me because or uh you know i feel insecure in my job or whatever it's i but you know even before that you have to get people to the conversation you have to get them to the table and one of the one of the um things that i have if you'd like i'll i'll give it to all of your listeners it's uh it's a, just a one pager of conversation starters but they all carry through one theme they're invitations mm -hmm. uh, the easiest one is can we talk? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. an invitation, right? Yeah, or, it's, and it's not invasive. It's kind of, hey, can we talk? Because you're feeling it in your tummy, to your point, right. Right. and you're saying, hey, uh, can, can we have a bit of a chat? Yes. Says to the person that they probably know something's going on, but you're doing it in a, in a nice way. Right. Sounds better than uh, come into my office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or can I see you in my office? Or... Um, I used to say this and probably why I'm not married to this person anymore. Cause I used to say, this was my line back then. Um, we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was a good line. I mean, it's, it's, it's short. It's, I thought it was an invitation, but it wasn't inviting enough, you yeah. know? And yeah. so do you see the difference? Can we mm -hmm. talk? Yeah. You yeah. need to talk. Oh yeah, for it's sure. So I, I, I like people to run it through the birthday party filter. So let's say you're uh, inviting people to a birthday party, you know, what would you write on the envelope? What would you write on the inside? Like, would you write, you know, come to my house 
you know, you know, come to my house, we have something to discuss. No, you'd write, you know, you're invited or, you know, so from that, of course, not those same words, but like from that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like from that um, intention. Mm -hmm. to set the intention of what you're trying to achieve and if it's it's if because you are you're inviting resolution but you want to make it in an engaging enough way right. versus already kind of working with the with the block that's up with the other person right. if you say we got to talk right right that's different from hey uh do you have some time you're a couple minutes we can chat which yeah. really kind of takes the edge off and I another this easy one is um i'd really like to get your opinion on something Oh, I like that one. Okay. And yeah. the opinion could be, you know, what makes you think that what you did was right? And, you know, do you know how much it hurt me? But at least it's an opener, right? Right, and right. I think that there are so many, so many times I hear that people want to have conversations with others, but they don't want to show up to the conversation. You can't have a conversation with somebody if they're not sitting across the table, right? Well, absolutely thanks. absolutely no texting no you know yeah. just do it as much as you can in whatever format right face to face like we're doing now which is even not ideal but if this is what you have just yeah. really saying i need to i need to see your eyes i need to you know know that you see me so that we can resolve things yeah. now penny i know you and i can go on for a very long time because we have the we have these awesome conversations all the time we're lucky enough to be uh uh you know connected yeah um so for for people that are interested in play nice in the sandbox, uh, you said you would uh, give us the the openers, which I would lovely mm -hmm. if you can uh, get that to us. We will make sure that's in the show notes. Yeah. Um, where can people get a hold of you if, if they're leaders that are listening or uh, people on teams even that are thinking, you know, I I think they could we might need some help or whatever. Where could they get a hold of you? Well, um, my name here says pennytrauma.com because that's that's my website address. Um, there's lots of valuable resources on my website. There's a category called leadership tips and I've written almost 400 of them. So they're searchable. Um, I have three programs. They're 16 hours each. So they're all two day programs. Let me get them in focus here. <laughs> they're falling apart. So my work, my uh, programs are, um, uh, play nice winning in the new workplace sandbox. This is great for the entire team. I've done this virtually to 350 um, You know to one team of 350 people once and um, it was it was amazing um, So that can be all my work can be done in person or virtually um, I've got this follow-up to that one. I just showed you it's called um, Relationships and conflict ma management for managers and supervisors. This is really valuable and sometimes it's a great place for an organization to start if they want to train their leaders on how to um, avoid the the biggest mistakes um, and then I have one on mental health and wellness and this one is very special it's rooted in the seven grandfather teachings because um, I work with indigenous people on this one but um, the seven grandfather teachings are amazing for learning um, um, you know, principles to live by that are nature based. So, you know, like the wolf and the beaver and the bear and so on. So, you know, I mean, anytime I bring out spiritual things for audiences, I get thanked because people say, 
I didn't realize how much the spiritual aspect of my life was missing. So, you know, I don't, I don't um, pitch any one denomination, but, you know, I think that when people acknowledge a power greater than themselves, they can get through some of these difficult conversations, you know. Um, there's, this is right on my website. It's called um, The Five Biggest Mistakes Leads make when conflict surfaces and how to avoid them this is right on the main page of pennytrauma.com highly recommend you download this it's a quick read you can read it over a cup of coffee um, you know five biggest mistakes if you're a leader um, avoidance being number one and um, yeah so those you know those are some ways that people can get a hold of me um, I have recently developed a play nice formula which you can um, download and you can work through a conflict on your own like um the the eight steps in my play nice formula so i have lots and lots of resources i love helping people i give everybody i work with a business card it's called their peace pass and i say call me anytime you're struggling i i don't like people struggling for long and sometimes we just need you know a third party to to vent to and to help us sort our stuff out, as you know, because Roxanne, you and I use each other often for, for that, right? Um, so sure. the, the problem is that in the workplace, when you start going to other people with your problems, it can, it can go from venting to gossip pretty quickly. So, you know, consider reaching out to somebody like Roxanne or myself who can help you uh, take, you know, take the higher road, um, or at least get out of that cesspool of negativity and, and not be swimming along with people who are just as negative as you are about a certain situation. Um, and also for leaders, I recommend, um, you know, getting involved in a, in a group of other leaders regarding um, how to manage conflict. And I do have a, uh, I do have a masterclass for people. So, I have lots and lots of resources. Thank you so much for asking about all of the things that I've been working well, on. Well, for anyone listening, um, reach out and have that conversation with Penny. So what am I, what am I taking away? Um, I think it's just reinforcing that concept of the languaging around I versus, um, you know, you. And to, to just use the basic um, concept of, you know, um, hey, can we have a bit of a chat? Those are some basic things, but really, really so necessary. So for everybody, um, I'm releasing my new book on May 12th. Um, it's ROR, Return on Relationships. And I'll be doing a live podcast with four CEOs on that particular day. And I would love for everybody to attend. But in the interim, if you just want to assess um, your relationships and how authentic you are, in those relationships, go to roxanderhodge.com forward slash quiz. There'll be a quiz that you can walk through and we'll send you the results so you can kind of know where you kind of sit and areas that you're doing well in, fantastic. But if there's some areas that you can um, do and need some help with, I'm available to do that. So again, Penny, thanks so much um, for coming in today. Uh, Penny had a busy day and uh, was still able to fit us in. And again, for everyone, thank you, thank you for being here and We'll chat with you again next week. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.